Hello and welcome to another Miller's Game Room podcast episode. This is number 22 and this is uh, going to be a nice one today because I've got a bit of gaming news, some thoughts on some recently released um, Nintendo goodness and not so goodness and of course lots of other stuff to talk about too. Uh, if you like the podcast, want to show support etc and so on and so forth for uh, like Liking, commenting, subscribing, five-star reviews, etc. and so forth would be incredible. And that would be truly appreciated and help to support the show and grow it. That'd be fab. Um, first off, a little a little mini update. So um, I'm trying to move to a one video a week schedule, but no guarantee. I'm just rocking myself time flexibility because, you know, disability stuff and all that. Other thing, um... I'm planning a video on another game because I did a uh, Otome game review a couple weeks ago and this one was for Steam Prison, that's the, the Hune X Otome game that um, I liked but there were some caveats which I talked about in that video, go listen to it and I got a really good response from it so uh, I'm going to do another one because it's the one I'd most recently finished and uh, I, at the time of recording this I've already got it uh, scripted so I'm going to hopefully record soon it's going to be fun and uh will hopefully go up after my next video which um is going to be really cool especially if you're into visual novels or want to talk to me talk about something really funny which is uh well funny i suppose uh, so um stay tuned for that and i'm hoping to do more so if, also if anyone has any suggestions let me know because i'm always open for suggestions so yeah that's the tea uh, so first off is going to be gaming news, um, a lot of short stuff first, and then one big discussion topic, and then at, but after that there's a couple of visual stuff as well, because there's a couple of small things, but I always treat the visual stuff as its own section, because that's what I tend to focus on when it comes to visual news, unless it's something that interests me. So uh, let's start. So first off, the big sales figures news, uh, the Switch... I had another update today because Nintendo were like, here's our latest financials ending June 30th, and we can confirm that the Switch has sold 111.08 million units as of 30th of June. So, I just repeated myself twice there, didn't I? Oh well. Um, they broke it down a bit more and said it was 3.3 million consoles, no, 3.43 million consoles, and 41.41 million software between April and June. So that's a fucking lot. And it's like the surprise a lot of people, like, especially with like the Switch is like a six year old console at this point. So that's an awful lot for what's considered to be aging hardware. And at this rate it will bounce on the PS4 by the end of the year and potentially head up to the heights of the DS and the PS2, which is um I think a lot of people have been predicting for a while. So uh that's panned out. Um but also I think it's important to highlight that Nintendo are now swimming in even more cash from this version of the Switch, and that's why they're not going to make a Switch Pro. Like, it's selling too much. They're not going to make one, and I think, I know a lot of people are like, the Switch needs a Switch Pro because the tech's outdated, and like, one, the, te the tech is still good. It's not really badly outdated. It's not like it's something like a PSP or a ZX Spectrum or something similarly archaic. It's it's still good tech you can still get things on it i mean near automata is getting ported to it this year which is ps4 game and other things like persona 5 royal as well which has the ports are still coming 
but also like I see why people want a Switch Pro, but it's just not going to happen. So people kind of need to accept that. Uh, other thing, uh, Switch Schwartz, Switch Sports sold 4.84 million units. Um, not surprised. Many will have bought it for the nostalgia, such as myself. Um, which is quite ironic because after a few days I kind of lost interest because um, it did very much for like a free-to-play grind, especially once I have people commenting on it and like, oh, this is more free-to-play grind in its design, especially for unlocking characters and stuff. And I think that's partly why I lost interest. And apparently, prior to the recent update that's come up this week, the rooms were quite dead. So um, that doesn't bode well, but Nintendo got money for it. So uh, who cares, really? Um, well, Nintendo certainly don't care, right? But, you know, hopefully the update fixes things. I've not really looked into the update. And to be honest, I don't have time to talk about it today. But update, they added more things that should have been there when it first came out. And maybe now the game will be more complete. Anyway, now on to a couple of uh, well, game-related announcements. So, uh, first one uh, was the announcement of Adventure Academia of a Fractured Continent coming west in 2022. And this is a strategy role-playing game that's part of the Class of Heroes universe. And this is like a really obscure series because Class of Heroes is an acquire IP and there were like three mainline games before and... The first one came west, well, more, I say west, it was more to North America by Atlas. And then number two came for PSP and then later the PS3 by Monkey Paw, which is like a small company I've never really heard of. But again, that was North America only. And then there was Class of Heroes 3, which was also a PSP game, which was meant to be released in English, but for some reason that never happened. And it's weird because that's all the releases we got. There were like ports of... Class of Heroes for like the PS3, the 3DS, the Switch, and none of those got picked up for the West for some reason. And now here comes this strategy RPG spin-off reboot kind of thing, and that's interesting actually. Like the, the twist of the Class of Heroes games is quite cartoony, quite like hearted. You've got like kids in like a school, and you get to basically choose your own party of characters based on that. Whereas it's basically taking back mechanic for SRPGs. And that's really appealing to me. Like getting these characters together and making your own parties one of the really cool parts of an SRPG. But you don't really see it much in strategy role-playing games or anything that isn't a dungeon crawler or a character creator for just your avatar. Like it's usually like if you're gonna make your own character, it's usually just you can make your own character for the protagonist, aka you, but any anyone else? Fuck no, you just get to deal with what the developers make. And that will make this one different. And I'm hoping it's good because it looks cute. And it'd be nice to uh, play more tactical games. And they look cute. So, <laughs> And next one that's um, not tactical RPG, even though I have another SRPG thing to talk about later. Um, this one is a delay news for Monochrome Mobius. Rights and Wrongs Forgotten. This is the... Act Plus RPG set in the Utawarim no universe I've talked about on here before. It got delayed to the 20th October for quote unquote quality enhancements, which is um that's a thing. And it's I think for that game, unfortunately, it's a bit it's detrimental. Like in terms of releasing it on that date, that's kind of the issue because it is October. At that time of year, it's quite packed for game releases. And I've had a look on this, and there are fucking loads of games coming out in October. That if you're like because Utah Warmano is an RPG. Like, 
it's a it's not a visual novel it's not a tactical rpg hybrid it's a traditional rpg that's kind of like it's very high budget believe it or not it look like if you look at the visuals it's nothing that like aqua plus have made before and this is like a very unique looking game and in october it's some of the things that are coming out that a lot of rpg fans will be interested in especially if you're on like pc ps4 switch the kind of platforms where you'd be interested in playing this game on is star ocean the divine force bayonetta 3 no more heroes 3 which is getting ports to all other platforms at this point so no longer switch exclusive persona 5 royal which is like coming out the day before on all platforms except ps4 but it was already on ps4 and mario plus rabbit sparks of hope which is coming out next week and I can see a lot of people skipping Monochrome Mobius now and getting those, getting those other games instead. Like, I think it already was quite doomed in the West to an extent because it's only coming West on PC. For some reason, like, there's no been no announcement of a console release outside of Japan. So, and when it's which quite ironic, assuming that Utawa Mono and Act Plus in the West have been very much associated with consoles. So that's quite a very, that's a bad decision by itself. And it seems, and then nicer were like when they were asked about it, or oh, we have no plans for it. So either they are telling the truth or they're not actually doing it or they are doing it, but can't share it yet. So um, that's going to be something, but either way, I really was kind of like iffy on whether that would do well, but now it's in October and really closer to the end of the year. Like it's not going to do as well now because people have, they're going to pass on it because that, that, and then like, I personally would have tried to get a physical copy if it was coming out for consoles and then had it on my shelf and played it when I got around to it, but there's no incentive now to get it at all, especially if it's a uh, PC only. <laughs> you don't get that collector money or those who like getting physical RPGs day one because uh, there are lots of people like that. In many ways, a September date was ideal for such a game, actually. Niche RPG, high budget, needed exposure, and now it's not going to do as well because it's not going to get the exposure. But even just looking at Steam, like, Persona 5 Royal will easily outset it. Easily. And now for kind of a bit of a uh, semi-funny one. Um, Kimono Friends 3 for PlayStation 4 is now ending service on... I think it's... Uh, yeah, I think... I can't remember what date put down. No, no, actually, no. I need to reread this again because they hadn't... I think it's like effective immediately... Or something along those lines. And the reason why is because when uh, when it on when it launched there were um, there was a problem that prevented normal login and that was like after being playable for ten days. And then the company that worked on it were like, Oh, we need to put it on emergency maintenance for one hour and then forty five minutes. Now it's six hours. And then five hours later it's like we're just gonna put it on T B D and it never released from it. So it's been TBD basically since 10 days after it came out. So it's still sitting there on PSN in Japan and people can't play it. And it's just been a mess and now they're having to shut it down because, well, you can't keep a game open that people can't play. In. And now they're like, oh, I'm sorry, we have to give refunds now because you can't play it. So we have to refund you. And um, which is a fair thing to do, but also like, what the fuck happened to this game? Like... I think that's just a, that's just, it's funny in a way because, like, 
how could you code your game so badly that you've released it and people couldn't play it or log in properly and just having an, a broken mess like it also shows the flaws of free-to-play games in general or games as a service because it shows that access can be taken away anytime through technical codings and failings like programmer breaks a bug and then it breaks it you've got to put on a potion to fix it and whereas you can be more likely to circumvent it using offline games which is just a disaster really so wow <laughs> it's just like what a disaster and it just sums up a lot and like this is generally why like you should definitely be cautious about picking up free to play games now the second uh, bit of srpg news uh square enix officially revealed what is probably something that if you're into rpgs you've known existed for many months now and that is tactics ogre reborn uh, that was leaked via like listings ratings boards and stuff like that and basically the only things that weren't publicly confirmed or known about were the actual platforms and exact dates and then it happens today because Square Enix were like oh we're going to announce it publicly now so it's now been revealed for PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, the Switch and PC uh, the console versions are coming out on the 11th of November and then PC the next day and this version is the remaster of Crisis Core not Crisis Core. Fuck, why did I put Crisis Core in my notes? What the fuck happened there? Uh, this is a remaster of Tactics Ogre Let Us Cling Together, which itself is an enhanced version of the original PlayStation version, which ironically is also a, a remaster, an expansion of the SNES version that never got localized, which is, uh, that's weird, but it's a, it's a thing, so really cool to see it coming. And finally confirmed, uh, this version has voice acting English and Japanese, rearranged music by the original composer, some gameplay tweaks, including speeding up battles and autosaves. Uh, I'm excited for it because, well, Tactics Oracle's on my list and it's just one less game to force myself to play through on a small PSP screen now, which is really good. So uh, yeah, I'll be interested in this one. Uh, also coming smack dang on the uh, holiday period, so... Uh, it will probably go on sale quite quickly, especially because it's getting a physical version. So uh, it's one to keep an eye on. And finally, for the short news, uh, a couple of fan translations have been released for Atlas Games, which is going to be really cool. So I'm going to talk about these very briefly and link them in the description. So if you want to check them out, I'm going to leave links to them. First one is a ports um for Shin Megami Tensei and this has got its fan translation released after a long time uh, this is for the PlayStation 1 version which um, like most versions of that game never released outside of Japan and the one version it did was on iOS which um, you can't actually play anymore because it's just like a lot of phone games companies just don't update them for new, for new firmware so uh, it's basically um, I forgot the word um, abandonware so you can't even play anymore, and a lot of people have in the Megaten community like the PS1 version of the original Shin Megami Tensei is the holy grail of localizations that we want via translation, and uh, it happened. So, um, if you're wanting a hardcore challenge, that's something you could look into emulating, especially now it's out. So, uh, have fun with that one. And the second one is the fan translation for the PSP remake for Persona 2 Eternal Punishment. A lot of people know the story behind this one. The original PlayStation 1 version of Eternal Punishment got localised. 
the original internal scene did not, and the reverse was true for when the PSP remakes came out. And this I can kind of understand because Eternal Punishment in Japan was like a 2012 release, and it would have been quite difficult commercially for Atlas to justify localizing that, so that's probably why they decided not to release it, especially because Innocent Sin came over in the previous year, so it makes sense. But this game exists, so we can now play it. I have kind of tenuously seen where there was drama surrounding the release of the translation, but I didn't couldn't find the exact source on that. But it probably is out there if you want to find it, but I'm not too bothered about it because like it's out and this is just gonna be something that people can play now and I've uh, already got it uh, ready to play. Um I don't know when I will. I might do a, a review for the channel, maybe. I don't know, let me know. Probably not Mega 10 PS1 though, because that game's gonna be fucking brutally hard and I really don't have it in me to play brutally hard Mega 10. Um well less is for leisure, but not for not for anything content related because I will just be sitting here tired and sleepy because games like that just drain my brain. Even though I still sat through Mega Ten Five Four and other ones too because handhelds. And now onto the main topic today is a Bloomberg article regarding uh, Grand Theft Auto 6 because it's got some interesting things now I wanted to touch on and a lot of this is going to be quotes or summaries so uh, and some commentary peppered throughout so uh, I'll read the quotes and give a little bit of commentary. Uh, this is basically um, people going to Jason Schreier, the credible source, made a Lots of interesting revelations over the years in terms of what he was able to find out and a few books as well which uh, I recommend checking him out. He's got some good stuff and he's uh, very much a uh, got very much in the right place when it comes to social issues. So there was the revelation there'll be a female protagonist in Grand Theft Auto 6 which um, on its own is a bit unremarkable but this is the quote itself. The woman who is Latina will be one of a pair of leading characters in a story influenced by the bank robbers Bonnie and Clyde, the people said. People being the uh, leakers, basically, who uh, have to be anonymous because game industry. Um, developers have also been cautious not to punch down by making jokes about marginalised groups, the people said, in contrast to previous games, which is actually pretty good news because punching down is just, it's just awful and it just shouldn't be done. And the fact that there's this um, awareness, which is really good. Um, the next quote. Some people wonder how this will affect GTA 6. Oh no, this isn't a quote. Uh, some people have said that um, they wonder how it will affect GTA 6. That was something else that was pointed out in the article. But it, like, it will be different because unlike previous entries, it's been remade for an environment where... It's not because of wokeness or anything like that. It's simply because marginalized people, the people whose jokes are made traditionally punched down onto, are in the room. They're making the decisions. Well, some of the decisions, but they're there. Compared to before, where they made none of the decisions, which is good. And that's like a huge like sign, which a sign of the times going positively, if that makes sense. Like... And I really like that. Like, I don't know if I'll get GTA 6, but the fact that this is a, f a possibility and this, these leaks are happening where it's talking about this kind of thing is a good sign. Obviously, final judgment when the game comes out, but you never know. Um, also, they said, 
Besides, several Rockstar employees pointed out you can't really satirise today's America. It's already a satire of itself, which, um, which is true. But also, like, I find it ironic considering this is likely coming from some Rockstar North employees, which is based in Scotland, and which is part of Brexit Britain and Plague Island, which is also a massive parody. Which, um, yeah, I live here. It's not actually that nice. But um, that's the kind of, like, it's a bit rich, like... I wouldn't be careful for parody other countries when your own country's a joke. Not so much Scotland, but you know what I mean. Just be careful when you say things like that, that your own country's in order first. And for other things, um, these are more about working conditions now. Um, a little list here um, of things revealed in the article. Since that outcry about working conditions... Rockstar has attempted to reinvent itself as a more progressive and compassionate workplace. Changes to scheduling, converting contractors to full-time employees, the ouster of several managers that employees saw as abusive or difficult to work with, which are all good, assuming it's accurate. Uh, when the pandemic started, workers received care packages, cloth masks and surprise bonuses during the process over the death of George Floyd, a black man who was murdered by police officers. The company said it would match donations to Black Lives Matter charities. Employees have new mental health and leave benefits, uh, flexi time, so allowing staff to take time off every extra hour they work. Uh, I've always known as things like time off in lieu or toil, which is something I've had to do with in the past. That kind of thing helps a lot. Um, a lot of these other things so far are quite promising. So alongside what I said before about if it's all followed through and stuck into place, it will be good. Uh, I obviously don't work there, so I can't say for sure if it's true or not, but, like, assuming this is accurate, this is a good sign. Other things they've said. Um, so, things like more stuff. Uh, management has promised that excessive overtime won't be required for Grand Theft Auto 6, one of the highest anticipated games by fans and investors on the planet, um, which... If that's followed through, like, I don't want to count on it because of the other companies have said that, but it turned out to be lies, like with uh, CD Projekt Red and uh, Cyberpunk 2077, which was an absolute masterpiece, by the way. Um, that's all right, it's anticipated to take the time to get it right. And they also said, Rockstar also added more producers to keep track of schedules, a move that's most even positive, but one that also caused bottlenecks. And... Um, Basically, this was because, according to this, they uh, got rid of someone called Imram Sawar, who was one of the people accused of a lot of the abuse. And his position was filled by three people. And some people say it's created a too-many-cooks situation, where design decisions are left in flux or contradict one another. And, like, I can see the logistical challenges that could cause, but at the same time, better to be spending time in flux... Or having to deal with contradictions and being worked to the bone, basically. So that's better. And the other thing now regarding the plans changing for GTA 6. Uh, Rockstar plan is now to continue to update the game over time. Adding new missions and cities on a regular basis. Which for leadership hopes will lead to less crunch during the game's final months. And still the game's world remains large with more interior locations than previous Grand Theft Auto games impacting the timeline. So what this is basically saying that it's going to basically be like a live service, which um, I've talked before earlier today about why I generally don't like them, but this is one of the times where turning a game to a live service alongside the risks might be better because in the, the day, you're, the most important thing that comes to making a game is alongside making sure the game itself is good, 
It's making sure that people who work on the games are also kept well. Like, they're kept in a good condition, respected, have the autonomy and rights they deserve, having the time to look after themselves. And that's the most important part. So if it means taking this game into a live service to ensure that happens, then so be it. And this is something that I, a lot of people like playing games who backlash against things like this just deliberately ignore. Like, if you think a game's got to be to change, to like to change a game to make it better for people to work on, then that's all for the best. And especially because of one other thing mentioned in the article, which I didn't actually write on these notes, is that because of the huge success of GTA 5 and GTA Online, they can take it the time a bit more, which is good. Like, take the time to get it right, basically. Especially because of, like, the whole GTA, the trilogy, which uh, I've now seen in stores get even cheaper. So uh, I'm not surprised at all. So that was... Uh, I'm glad that PR fail existed because that's one of the things that most likely factored into some of these decisions well because GTA the Trilogy was, uh, should have been a slam dunk in terms of its quality, but it wasn't. So uh, fixing it with GTA 6 is the right thing to do. And I just hope they actually follow through on that. Now finally for two brief bits of visual novel news. Uh, first one, uh, Return to Shirinagasu Island is coming to Switch on the 17th of November in Japan. Um, this is a VN that was previously on PC. Uh, well received. It's got multiple languages like English, German as well. Um, this is quite cheap. Uh, the price given is uh, 2,480 yen, which is about £20, probably a bit under. It's, it's cheap, basically. And the last bit of news... Um, Amnesia Memories and Amnesia Later Cross Cloud were dated for the 20th of September in the West. Uh, these are the classic Otome and the fan disc, which I've talked about before. Um, this is interesting because hopefully they do well and it convinces Idea Factory to localise more of their older games and fan discs. I don't want to talk about in detail today, but I have read something on like Otome Twitter and stuff today that four more Otomate titles have been announced for the Chinese release. So it's getting translated for Southeast Asia in Chinese. Uh, if I can find the exact source on it, but it does include a couple more of the older games and a couple of the slightly newer ones that haven't been picked up on for the West, which is interesting because there's generally a pattern where if a game's announced for a Chinese localization from Idea Factory, it usually means an English one is will likely come and of all the games announced so far the only one that wasn't picked up is a uh, Libra of Nila Mirari basically everything else has been picked up and that's really good news so assuming these titles are accurate and if I can find a source I'll talk about it in the next episode or a future one that'll be good news because it means these four games and all of which sound good are coming over so um yeah so that's a uh, stay tuned Alright, now on to what I've been playing, which is going to be uh, first impressions on the Americant 8 DLC Wave 2 tracks. So, at time of recording, uh, they've just come out, so I basically did, did the cups. So I went on to single player, just did the cups, um, just to get an initial feel for the tracks. And I'm going to give a very brief summary of each track one by one. I don't want to dwell on this too long, to be honest. And there's a reason for that, and it's basically because... Obviously, just because of how I feel Nintendo handled the release in general of this DLC pack, like, the 
I just don't want to talk about the negatives, so I don't want to dwell, so I'm just going to give a summary and just try to overlook the whole circumstances of the way for DLC pack coming out instead of Maricot 9, but let's move on from that. I'm going to start with the first, like, four tracks that were revealed. Uh, first one is Tour New York Minute. This is a Tour City track set in New York, and um, it's a, it's a great-looking course. I love the aesthetic. It does feel quite small and densely packed, though. It just feels a bit claustrophobic, but I guess that's kind of faithful to New York, which is a plus. Next one, SNES Mario Circuit 3 is like the oldest track here, and um, it's pretty standard, like it's Mario Circuit from Super Mario Kart. But looks even worse than the Wii remake. So it's basically like, have this game with really jarring visuals, but you can play better on Wii. And not by hacking, this was an official Wii course. So, um, yeah, um, it's alright, but, you know. <laughs> Moving on, N64 Calamari Desert. Uh, this was a good remake. Uh, I really like the incorporation of entering the train tunnel between the second and third laps. So, basically, towards the end of the second lap, the arrows, like, turn left and rocket off, so you have to go on the track. So, you go through the train tunnel, you start your lap three in the tunnel, you go out the tunnel, and then rejoin the, the standard line on track on the next course, which is actually a really cool idea. And I think that makes a really nice touch, actually, for this course before. And it makes it unique compared to your versions, because I, um, I didn't remember news about a glitch in the original N64 version, but I don't remember much on that. We could apparently go in a tunnel. Definitely wasn't possible in Mario Kart 7, but this version does have it. And I think the Weave custom track also doesn't make it possible, but I'm not sure on that. And last one for this cup, uh, DS Waluigi Pinball. Um... But as it always was, it's still a great course even now. It's good that it's back in an official capacity in terms of online play, whereas um, aside from the Wii custom version, you can't play that course online anymore. Well, technically, you still can on Mario Kart 7, unless you want to deal with hackers. <laughs> and um, uh, I've, I did find the neon design, like, it's really over-simulating. Like, all these bright colours, like, it's just a lot to deal with. Like, I can, I can play, but it's just not particularly, like... It's really overwhelming, like, it's just a lot, and it's hard to describe, but it's like, I can tell it, like, it would look fine if it was on a phone, but not really on the big screen, and that's kind of like, it's, I think this is an aesthetic choice that should have been, like, toned down a bit, like, I talk about the custom Wii tracks, but it actually looks better on that version as well, even the Mario Kart 7 version, which is kind of a hybrid in terms of the tonal change between the original DS version uh, the Wii version that was a custom made and 7 which is like a bit more neonish but still brighter and still perfectly like playable and not overwhelming and then you got this tour and 8 deluxe version which is just quite jarring but definitely still um, worth playing and that's going to be played a lot online now into the second cup uh, tour Sydney sprints uh, absolutely love the atmosphere for this one it's really uh, colourful, bright, vibrant love it by the sea uh, best city track so far for me, um, I hope the tracks we get later also uh, got similarly unique atmospheres, and uh, I did like it. Uh, GBA Snowland. Uh, this was a good remake. It's like I know a lot of people might have seen the original like GBA Snowland a bit bland because it's all just on one flat plane, and this one is not on a flat plane. It's got a bit of raised areas, like everything outside the ice rink in the middle is raised, and it's really cool. Um, Although one thing I think needs to be fixed is the fact that when you go down to the, the layer starting the lap, on the right there's a big snow patch that looks like you can use it as a shortcut, 
I know you can actually use it as a shortcut in the custom Wii version, but in this version you can't. And if you jump off it or try to speed it mushroom, you get picked up by Lakitu. And I think that needs to be patched out. Like maybe just get like some snow walls or something or another lake there just to show that it's not a shortcut. Because if you're playing the course for the first time, it will catch you off guard, I think. Especially if you're um, new to the whole like how to do shortcuts. So I think that needs to be patched out. Um, I also like the, uh, the, the, the surrounding like colors of the background like it's very like massive ice crystals and it's similar to the gp original but it looks a lot better and i really like it and the next one we mushroom gorge this is the whole classic bouncy mushrooms <laughs> so um uh in the cave start with the cave first uh that was really nice i like the colors in there i like the fact that you know, the shortcuts that were both in the wii and the seven versions are there because in maricot wii you have the mushrooms on the left which has to drop and in Mario Kart 7, you have just four, with the last one being a glider mushroom, because it's blue. Whereas in this one, it's like you have the one on the left, and with the drop, but you also have the mushroom on the right. So if you go up to the left and then stay in the middle, and the blue one, you can also ride the turn to a glider, which is, I think, is a really cool idea, because it opens up some more options on what to do. And that is incredibly unique. Although, outside is, like, it's really bad. The contrast is so bad, like... I don't like to dwell on the contrasting because it's basically been done to death at this point, but it's so bad. It's also a bit overwhelming as well. It's just like, why? And it's it's a bit difficult to deal with, to be honest. Uh, the shortcut that you can get right off the start of a mushroom is there, though, which is good as well. And finally, the last one, which was uh, meant to be like, the highlight of this pack, I think. The all-new Sky High Sunday. Um, this one looks good, and it is definitely one of the better courses in this pack. Uh, it uses all anti-grav, which is very unique for this, even though it shouldn't be. And very unique because it's set in the ice cream, sweets and stuff. It's really cute and bright and colourful, and actually fits it. It's not overwhelming. Um, I've already got, I got a little laugh on it, though, because when you get to the bits in the shops, there's the yellow bars in the middle that look like they're, uh, they're you, you have the bang against them but in reality you can just drive straight through them they're like they're just textures there's no like collision on it so you can just go straight through it which is like why and there's i mean i feel like that's kind of one of the slight issues about the collision but the course itself was fun you basically like go up and then down again and then up the other side again with a wall which is the closest you get to the anti-grav in the main courses and you get opportunity for lots of tricks it is fun to race on i do like it um, modern classic, I'm not sure maybe, but one of the better courses in this in this wave, yes. So um, if, if you're gonna play a course out of this pack, if it's not the tour ones, especially Sydney Sprint, it's this one, and maybe try out Snowland as well. So um, pretty decent batch actually. So um, I'm hoping they get they get better with the other waves. That's all I got to say on the hoping they improve bit because. Deserve to improve basically. And now on to the main topic of this episode under what I've been playing Centerblade Chronicles Free Impressions. And this is something I've been playing a lot since it came out last week. And I've been having an absolute ton of fun with it. And I'm going to be talking a bit about it today. So, a bit of context I'm about 35 to 40 hours in at the time of recording will most likely be even higher by the time I publish it, so um, 
this will go out of date quite quickly, but who cares because a lot of my overall impressions are going to stick because um, I just completed chapter 4, so I'm on chapter 5. Uh, I don't know how many chapters are overall because um, I'm not really been following the news before it came out. I wanted to go in it knowing as little as possible. But I'm guessing I'm about a third of the way through, which is probably accurate to be honest. Um, my impressions in a nutshell. Wow. I'm serious. This <laughs> is just, what the fuck? In a good way. Like, first off, it's so Moorish to play with a beautiful open world. Like, you can go work in the open world and just, like, it's just one of those collections where I want to go out and explore this world that literally shows as far as I can see. Like, I can literally walk on almost everything. Like, unless it's a really steep cliff, I can basically walk on it. And it's incredible. And look around for secrets, hidden areas, side quests. And it's just like enemies as well. And it's like, I just think it's so cool with this such a huge range of like, just this huge range. And it's just really cool because it's just like, it's like, it's beautiful eye candy. Like, it's just so vibrant. And like, especially helps at like, in terms of the story and setting and tone, it definitely feels closer to the first game. Like, story is like it's it is more serious it's like less anime focused like you're not going to see the really bright colors of two or the facial expressions or the big boobs um this this is a lot more serious and it's good and it helps a lot because even with things like the music you can tell it's more serious because it's a bit more like relaxing slow and atmospheric and i just it's just so cool and it's like ah just it's just like I'm funny how to describe because I just love it so much and like it's been good like a lot of this time I've actually been spent just doing side quests or exploring optional areas like there's one area in the game in the second region that's a desert and this desert area is basically entirely optional like unless you go in there for 100% related content or side quests you don't need to go in there at all basically in that desert, it's literally just monsters. You just walk around, and then you once you get like level up a bit, you can get to some areas or climb up a, a sand. Like there's one item we can run up the cliffs, and when you get that from another side quest, you can then go up to the top of the desert area. But aside from that, you don't need to go in there. And it's just so fresh walking in this like desert world with relaxing music, and then just it's just so beautiful. It's like. Especially at night, like, you go in these worlds and just see the, the stars in the sky and just, like, getting a feel for these, like, characters. And then, other thing as well, like, there's also, like, a table land where you go up high and you can see various parts of the world, including the desert in the corner. Like, the world is actually, like, as probably heard as big as Xenoblade Chronicles X, and I've not played Xenoblade Chronicles X. But from the gameplay footage I've seen, it's got quite a similar effect. Like, it's not 100% open world. There are, like, a few area splits, but generally, like, it's fine because, like, it's so vibrant and colourful. Um, and the music's really, like, relaxing. And I haven't listened to the music properly because trying to look for Xenoblade-related songs online for Xenoblade 3 is just going to load you into spoilers. And uh, I found a couple of spoilers... I'm not going to talk about them here, but I looked up the soundtrack list and there will be spoilers in some of the song names. So, uh, especially later in the game, do not look it up yourself unless you are looking just, like, this is just about themes because hard to get spoiled by those. Um, so yeah, um, 
best part though, I think, in terms of the story, is probably the character chemistry. Like, this game avoids the tropes of, like, you add to party members over time. Instead, you get all six cast members up front, so the three people from Keys and the three from Agnes, which are, like, the warring factions. You then meet up, because, I mean, if you know what anybody is, you're probably already aware of the setting. But basically, basically, it's from enemies to friends, where they're basically thrust together through fate, get this Ouroboros power... And then become enemies of the Moebius, which are the antagonists. And have a fantastic boss theme, by the way. I fucking love that boss theme. It's literally a choir vocals. Um, it basically be... Um, basically like the vocal themes from Xenoblade 2, but sung more intimidating and faster. Especially the one with the boss, where, where the bosses. So um, it's just basically being the intimidating boss and crossing it with the um, vocals. It's just amazing. Um, and because you start with all six, you get to know them all, have the cutscenes, and then it's a lot of it's told from, like, subtleties, so you've just got to watch and pay attention, and to kind of see what's said and how put it together, and kind of understand these nuances, and then you just see these, like, friendships, and, uh, in one case, romance, which is, um, I think is not so much a spoiler, but you start to see it early on. And it's so nice to see these characters, like, connect. And you can also get, like, because of a class system, you can also get other people to join you. Like, you get one guest slot. And when you find people, you can start inheriting their classes. And they can join you and help you with guests, which is really cool as well. And also, you've got to be acquired through side quests. Like, you get some through the main story. But some of them are, are missable. Unless you go out your way to look for them. And uh, that's how I found some of them. Which is really cool. Also like the fact that. Of the six main characters. Uh, three of them are not white. So you've got. Um, two people. Who are like. Well not like people of colour. And then you've got the third person. Who's basically one of Xenoblade's. Like alien races. Kind of thing. Like So it's basically the blue. And <laughs> that's one of those like diversity things which I think is like really under underappreciated because I think it's really cool to have that especially since compared to previous like Xeno games that kind of variety just wasn't there and I think that's really cool as well especially for like Japanese games which tend to be like they tend to whitewash in the sense of like even though Japan is a country with uh, non-white people in it uh, including both native and foreign a lot of the time you see anime it's just mostly if not all white people and that's good to see that trend being buckled in this game and there are anime tropes but they're they're a lot more subtle and only one part of the character which is really good and finally uh, the themes that i've seen so far um themes of mortality so wanting to live and survive crossing divides and question of reality you've been set up to believe and just like like Working out what you really want and what your purpose is in life. And that's just so cool. I love it. And I think the... Um, I think I've actually done most of my notes for this, actually. Because, like, I don't feel comfortable giving a proper review of it till I've finished the game. Like, this game's fucking massive. Like, I'm sure people have seen all the whole... The game journalists that have reviewed it have been like, I've spent literally hours upon hours playing this game. And it's a game best played slowly. That is definitely correct like do not rush this game it's definitely a game to be like 
I mean, even if you played the the base story only, you'd still get a good experience, but you wouldn't get the experience. Like, the beauty of Xenoblade is exploring the world, engaging with the characters, doing some of the side quests, not all of them, but enough for them to be like, oh, I'm raising my affinity with this colony, or I am unlocking this class, or I am helping people. And it's like, it is fantastic. And it's just something to be savoured. And I'm just... I know, like, the character cast are heading to this place called Sword March in the story. Which is basically... The sword from from the... Mekonis. Uh, from Xenoblade 1. We know the whole two titans. Mekonis piercing the sword into balance. It's basically a sword like that. And you've got to find your way to this sword. In this open world. And I'm hoping when you get there it pays off. And it gets... It ascends from goodness to just amazingness because, like, I know with like Xenoblade One and Two, when you get towards the end of the game, so a twist to happen, like, really elevate it, and I love that. And I want to do like, assuming I consider this game to be a masterpiece because I'm really like, this is probably the best game I played this year because I have not played Elden Ring and I don't plan to anytime soon. Sorry, but the best part is um. I can hopefully possibly consider doing a spoiler cast on this. So when I'm done, and if I do a spoiler cast as a heads up, we'll probably end up spoiling one and two. I'm trying to resist spoiling those games here. I think I might have already done one, one or two accidental spoilers. So you've been warned. But um, I'll probably end up doing a spoiler cast, and that will happen. Like when I finished it, most likely. I know one of my friends recently did a um a really long AI spoiler cast. I've not watched it because I've not played AI. But I think that's so cool when you get this point to get in a position to be like, oh, I'm going to spoil a cast about a game I love to pieces now I'll probably be with Xenoblade 3 when I'm done. Which will probably be uh, this month or next month, assuming I'm on it continuously, which is going to be pretty rad. Anyway, I'm going to be uh, done for today. So thank you so much for listening to the uh, Willis Gaming Podcast episode 22. Uh, please like the whole algorithm thing as I mentioned before liking commenting subscribing five star reviews the usual uh, thank you so much for listening and have a lovely day bye bye